Welcome to Off Book, a podcast from The Young Vic, where we have conversations with creatives who have recently inspired us with their work here. It is great to be joined by the Gerald Assistant Director, Teo Lawson. Teo, thank you very much for coming in to speak to us this thank afternoon. You. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Teo, we're going to try something uh, new for these podcasts, something we've not done before, which is yep. a set of uh, quickfire questions. Okay. And since you are uh, the Assistant Director on The Life of Galileo, uh-huh. what better thing to call this part of the podcast than The Life of Galileo? <laughs> Bam. <laughs> You've, ne- you've never heard that before, <laughs> I am sure. Never have, never have. Never, That's never. Fun. Great, great. Uh, then we're going to start The Life of Galatea. I wonder if this part of the podcast has got like its own jingle or its own tune. So, Teo, how do you normally start your day? Um, I normally start the day uh, by giving my daughter a kiss. Aww. Uh, giving her a kiss uh, and making her poet, which she loves to get all in her hair. How old is Thea now? She's 11 months old. Oh, she brilliant. turns one in two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, it's scary. That is a really scary thought. It's been, it's gone really quickly, but she's awesome. She's really divine. I remember seeing her at Leicester Square Tube when she was dressed as a strawberry. I didn't even <laughs> recognise you. I didn't, I didn't see you. I just saw Thea dressed as a strawberry and I was like, oh my God, that is the most delicious child I've ever seen in my life. And yeah. you should be very proud, you and uh, your wife. What's your wife's name? Phoebe. You and Phoebe should be very proud indeed of creating Thea. She's Thank a very, very gorgeous much. child. And I would make much. her porridge every day as well uh, <laughs> if I were you. Okay, uh, sticking with Life of Galateo, yes. um, other than food or water, what is a must-have in the rehearsal room? Uh, toothbrush and toothpaste. Oh, really? Yeah, it has to be done. I always get really... Um... Smelly breath. <laughs> so I always get really smelly breath. I get really smelly breath, like proper, you know, just like, you know, it's like a garlic fest in my What mouth. are you eating in this rehearsal room? Anything and everything. It's like a nervousness <laughs> that I have. I have to have food in my mouth at all, at all times. Um, but also, I think I, I always get really conscious when I have to talk to someone uh, really close up, or you know, kind of you know, talking about 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 the piece. And I think the one thing that I always hate in that moment would be to you know, have really really smelly breath. And I'm trying to you know be as as, as good as possible to undermine anything I'm saying <laughs> at all. Just like, dude, your best thing. Well, it's all about making an impression as a director as well. And well, you know, you yes, don't want it's, to... a, it's a part of it. It's a mm. part of it. My um my pencil case. Uh, which I have uh, still, <laughs> even though I'm way too old for pencil case. My pencil case has, you know, every kind of uh, shape of pen, um, a bit of like this smelly roll, smelly stuff, uh, deodorant, and uh, toothpaste and a toothbrush, just in case. Just in mean? case. Just in yeah. case. You fail know. to prepare, prepare to fail. Well, that's what know. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay, sticking with Life of Galateo, uh-huh. one production that you will always remember for good or bad. Uh, wholly for good. Um, Anna Nicole at the World Opera House. Um, Richard Jones is one of my favorite oh, yeah. directors, um, but it, it was def- that was one hundred percent definitely a Richard Jones production. Um, in what way? In the sense of in the sense of it was it was clear, it was slick, it was colorful, it was bold, um, and uh, so well orchestrated. You know, it's, it's, he's 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 just incredible. Um, I think directors can search a lifetime to feel that their pieces are definitely one hundred percent them. Um, and he, he definitely, I feel, achieved that with that production. Well, he's a director that directs both theatre and opera. Yeah. Would you be somebody who would be interested in directing opera? I would love day? to direct opera. Yeah. I would love to. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I really love music. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, would, I would absolutely love to. I would love to do Salome. Oh, really? I'd love to do Electra. I love Strauss. Mm. I love, I love uh, this is really awesome stuff. Um, but yeah, they're the two that I'd, I'd love to do. 
But what's the di- before we go back to life of Galatea? Mm. What's the difference between directing theatre and directing opera then? I don't know. I've never given opera a chance. But like you know, I I I think that um, the whole idea of theatre being a collaborative medium um, really comes into its own in opera, um, with the conductor and if it's a new piece with the composer. You know, all that you know that 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 adds a different element. Um, the music has a life of its own. There's like a whole orchestra that has a life of its own. You know, um, so many more p- more parts to get to. to put together and I guess it's more about time management and so and if it gets if it gets to that point of being utterly practical the challenge is to keep it creative um, that is a challenge that I'd love to, I'd love to do I'd love to kind of uh, get involved with also you know sometimes um, opera singers don't necessarily feel so comfortable acting and performing and try, try to get that performance out of them would be also quite an interesting challenge a couple more quick fire questions for you um, most influential person to you either in the world of theatre or outside of it I, uh, sorry I have to have more than one uh, Prince uh, <laughs> Prince Philip Prince, uh, Prince, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prince Phil uh, we go way back um, uh, Prince uh, and his high heeled wearing uh, godness um, and Ults um, the director that's the, the, the designer well, and director yeah he directs operas um, often in Germany um, he's a friend of yours, isn't he? Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. He is. He is. I, I, I find it hard to call him a friend because he's such a genius. Um, but he is a friend. He's a genuine, um, more than a friend. He's a. I have a lot of love and a lot of respect for him. Um, he's been very, very kind to me. Uh, had a lot of time for me in um, as a as a kid growing up and getting into this. Um, he's he's like a, yeah he's like a he's like a pseudo father figure. He's really awesome. And he's, and he but he's been that not just to me to a number of people in the industry working today. He's um, got such a big heart. He's so kind, um, and I could never thank him enough for the you know the words of, of wisdom he's afforded me. Fantastic. And what's your favourite theatre space? Here, one hundred. Of course, it's here. I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> you've got to say that. I, I actually haven't even got to say that. Um, here, for uh, so many reasons. Um, the Young Vic, that is. The Young Vic, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, mainly because I, I saw my first play here. Uh, this is the first stage I ever got on as a kid. Um, I went to primary school down the road. Um, this is really genuinely where I can say I fell in love with, with theatre. Um, Do you remember what that play was that you it saw? It was through The Three Musketeers. I saw that. Yeah. And they fried an egg on stage, <laughs> yeah, didn't they? They? Did, they did. And they had this sword fight and sort of this gangplank. Yes, I remember exactly. seeing that as a child. We're sort of similar age. Yes. I remember seeing that as a child. My mum yeah. came and uh, took me to see that. It was incredible. It was incredible, yeah. wasn't it? It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, yeah, Three Musketeers. And um, I love how transformative the space is, um, but it never loses its heat. It, and by heat, I mean, I guess I mean intimacy. Um, it, it's 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 utterly playful. It's completely cheeky, but yet wholly focused. Um, I lo- I think I think it is one of the most incredibly um, incredibly uh, beautiful spaces. Um, it, yeah, ever. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> and the final question in the life of Galateo yep. is: Have you committed any theatre gaffes? Any embarrassing theatre moments? <laughs> Every day, man. Every day. This podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, it's, it's almost, it's almost. Yeah, I always have, have verging on. Billy, uh, Billy said to me the other day. He said, he said Billy Howell in the he's in Galileo. Um, he said you 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 seem to kind of toe the line between. Um, <laughs> genius and hot mess. I, I, I so don't agree with genius. I'm one hundred percent not a genius, but I full on feel like I'm constantly a hot mess. Um, 
and uh, I don't really know how I live every day. <laughs> Somehow I bumble through, and I haven't, um, I haven't, I haven't, yeah, hurt myself too much since uh, I, uh, yeah, for a while actually. Yeah, I, I, I make it through. I make it through. Well, you've survived that quick fire round, <laughs> <laughs> and now we can get down proper to the oh, yeah. to the meat and bones of this oh, this God. podcast, which okay. is um, starting right at the beginning. Yeah. Then Teo, that I know that as a fifteen year old, you yeah. formed Metal Mouth. Uh, theatre company. <laughs> I've done my research. Yeah, are, you have. Are, are Metal Mouth still around? No, sadly, sadly we're not. Sadly we're not. Um, Metal Mouth was this was this, this theatre company that we uh, started. Um, myself and two friends, uh, two three friends of mine, um, Joel McCormack, who is an incredible actor. Um, he's in Oristaya at the um, Globe. Um, Alex Krytoff, who is an incredible actress. Um, and Sullivan Bo Brown, who is um, he's a podcaster now. He's doing his thing. He's, he went to Bristol. But we went to um, school together. Um, and we just wanted to do, make stuff. We just wanted to do stuff. So we just used to write plays and just do, and do them. Um, at our school, we had free rehearsal space. We would use that. Um, we had uh, kind of, you know, friends and family friends who were willing to kind of chuck in 20 quid where they were, when and how they could, kind of get some money together. I mean, you know, there's shows at, at Camden Fringe and Brighton Fringe and, you know, just around the place. Um, yeah, they were really fun times. So it sounds like you had quite an um, artistic, uh, theatre-driven childhood. Not at all. No? Not at all, not at all, not at all. I mean, the, 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 the most arty my family got was, you know, my eldest brother being a DJ. That was, and which is an art. Um, and he still is a part, he still does it part-time. But, you know, when I said... I remember being in the back of the, of of of, of um, my mum's car once, and I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. I must have been ten, um, and she was like, Oh, it's really hard, you know. It's, that's really hard. My eldest brother was like, Yeah, it's really hard. I was like, you know, yeah, I'm not sure if I want to do that. I'm not sure if I want to do that. And I was like, Oh, well, actually, you know, piss off. I'm, I'm, I want to do that. Um, at seventeen, I realized that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a director uh, because those plays that we that we kind of did and, and and wrote and did, I directed all of them. I wasn't I wasn't acting in them. Um, and that's where I got my first kind of taste for it. That's where I got my first, um, uh, yeah, that's where I first tasted blood. And I hadn't really stopped since. And that was at the Brit School as well, yeah. was it? Yeah. And what was it yeah. like being there? Um, <laughs> Were you that, naughty? That, well, of course. I, I, I don't think you can go to the Brit School and not be naughty. You, you, <laughs> you, you go from being this really weird kid in other state schools. <clears throat> I went to this school in Selsden. I mean, it was like, you know, like an hour and a half journey from where I was living in South London to go further south. Um, you know, I like drama and, you know, the, the, like a, you know, a, a, a black kid down there. You know, I was vegetarian as well. I didn't eat chicken. <laughs> so I, used to get, I used to get taken a piss out. I'm going to come Morley's. No, I don't want to come Morley's, man. I want to go back. I'm going I'm to see what Roman and Juliet saying. Yeah, I want falafel. I want to see what Roman and Juliet saying. Um, you, know, for, you know, for any, you know, working class, you know, um, a black kid in 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 that school particularly, but I guess in in many schools in in South London, theatre is not necessarily the um, an, an option. It doesn't feel like it, especially if one's family isn't you know, you know into that really. Um, yeah, so the Brit School afforded us this this really strange thing of going from a place where you're not really understood, um, not necessarily ostracised, but well in some cases ostracised because sort of some people were. Um, it's a space where you're like you are wholly accepted, and you are surrounded by people that feel so similar to you. You know, I mean, I, I my best dearest friends are still are still from from that school where we met when we were fourteen. Um, 
and um it's an incredible thing and so when you're when you're you know no longer that weird fish in this pool you're sort of like this 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 normal fish <laughs> in this normal pool this awesomely big pool you go off the rails dude we did some stupid stuff <laughs> way too young do you care to good. share or is it not for this podcast no not for this podcast not really for this podcast um but you know, on, on, you know, I guess on a more serious level, it, you know, I, I, mean, I, I, I can't even, I can't count how many times I fell in love in that school. Do you know what I mean? Like it was you were surrounded by just such incredible people, um, who are still incredible people now, um, and who I know that I could, you know, I, I could, I could, if I was, you know, really lonely in the in central London, I could call and be like, I know we haven't spoken in about six years, but do you fancy a <laughs> pint? And you know, it's, it's a beautiful place. Um, Imogen Brody, the, the 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 head of of the Taking Part department, was the head of theatre there. Um, Director of Taking Part, the the, the, the young Vic, yeah, 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 and um, and she had this incredible ability to never, you know, patronise us. It was always on what felt like on a very equal footing. You know, it's just don't be an idiot, just be better, just do better. You you know, you've got to rely on yourself. You know, it's a fantastic place. But then things seemed to take a pause as you studied anthropology at university. Or did it seem like that's a natural thing to do as somebody who's interested in theatre and the arts? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, 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 didn't, necessarily, I didn't necessarily pause as such. I, I, because I was working, I was because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to direct theatre. And so I, I was determined to work whilst I was there. So I ended up missing about a year, year and a half worth of education whilst I was at university. Um, almost got kicked off about three times that never turned up I was rehearsing plays um, uh, but I mean it's, it's, it's anthropology is an option um, it, 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 it it allows you to try to find ways of making theatre or making like a piece you're working on um, as macro as, as possible in the statements it's making as well as micro um, you start to see how things connect more with the world that you're trying to display or with the audience that you're trying to display this to or have a connection to um i'm not necessarily saying i've found the most successful way of, of or, you know of bringing anthropology into my practice but it, i do feel that it has afforded me a particular perspective um that i may not have gotten if i studied english or if i studied theater well, at I university i suppose it's sort of understanding other people's stories understanding other people's cultures and ways of life which as yeah. a director it's your job to present well, on a exactly, stage exactly exactly and 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 you know what what the driving forces are you know behind those um particularly what the power structures are behind those um you know and you know it, it, it also gives you a, a, a particular eye with research um you find yourself you find yourself you know finding or looking at stuff or focusing on stuff that other people may find kind of weirdly unnecessary but actually becomes quite interesting to you um, you know, for for Galileo, for example, researching the bows and what that meant in in um, in uh, in seventeenth century Italy um, was really interesting, you know. And the social structures of that and, and the politics of the of, of of that those interactions was really really strangely interesting. Um, but the research for this show was was you know never ending, so it was. You know, a multitude of things. I want to come on to Life of Galileo, which you're assistant director on, but I'm more interested to begin with with your uh, relationship with this theatre, the Young Vic, and your history with this theatre. Yeah. That you know, you said that you came <coughs> to see the Three Musketeers because you went to the local primary school. Mm. You said that Imogen Brody, the director of Taking Part, was your former teacher uh, at the Brit School. Um, you were the um, Boris uh, director on. Um, Cisco Bansi is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah. you were the assistant director on that show. Mm. Um, what was that like? That was insane. 
that was back in 2011, 2012. Mm. Um, that was, I mean, that was awesome. That was, if, if, every time, and, and, and many directors feel that with Phyllis Theatre for the amazing work that, that your department do, um, uh, the, the direct, directors that work does, um, feel that they can call this place home. Um, and I definitely feel that. I definitely felt that back then doing that show which was, you know, back in the beginning when I was starting to, you know, take a step up into more professional stuff and just stuff that I was doing. Um, and um, and to have such a early formative experience in the theatre that you've had such a, a connection with um, was amazing. I had the best time doing <laughs> that show. Um, and the director of that show, Matthew Zia, was yeah. at that time still himself a young director, sort yeah. of honing his craft. Yeah, yeah. Um, how was it to work with Matthew? Did he show you the t- tricks of the trade? Yeah, he 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 did, and it was and it was it was great actually to work with him at that point because, as you say, you know, he was he was still in in some regard he had you know a, a perspective on what his practice was, um, but also still trying to, as you say, hone his hone his craft. But it felt pretty it felt pretty polished then. You know, the guy's incredible. Um, um, so it was it was really it was really nice to to be able to share my thoughts and actually feel listened to um and to hear him kind of you know be very clear about how he felt this should be and how it felt it, it, it should go um to learn through him learning on the, on the job um but he had incredible experience up to, up, up to that point so um yeah whilst he was a young director he, he also he, he knew his stuff you know I think you'll like this tale. I worked at the Young Vic when Cisco Bansy is Dead uh, was, was on, and I overheard once by box office this man came to collect his ticket, and he said, I'm here to see um, Steve Bansy is Dead. <laughs> yes! Yes! So there you go, the anglicising uh, of the central protagonist of, 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 of that play. When will it end? <laughs> that is, that's divine. That is honestly divine. Oh, Steve O'Bansy! Steve <laughs> That play set in uh, apartheid South Africa uh, and all of the obvious racism that goes alongside that. You, yeah. as a director who is black, did did your own knowledge of the struggles of black people um, help inform and shape the way that you and Matthew Zia, another um, black director, mm. worked on that show? I think... I guess I, I guess so. I, I think what, what helped was... In that room, a common, a lived, a, 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 a sort of common lived experience. I mean, you know, not to homogenize the black experience in London or in the UK, is, you know, that, not at all. But there's certain, you know, there, 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 there's there's certain stories that we can tell that speak to each other. Um, there's certain experiences that we can um, that we that we could talk about that spoke to each other. Um, I mean, you know, Sibu uh, um, was was from South Africa, and and Tondrai was originally from Zimbabwe. The so two cast, the two cast yeah. members, yeah. And um, but and even then, you know, across the across you know the seas and and, and land, um, that feeling that you have when, for utterly no reason other than what is perceived to be wrong with your with your skin you're treated differently in society and the feeling that comes from that um yeah it it it, it, it some of those feelings cross cross waters and cross boundaries and you know and and i i think that was a, a because we found a way of being so honest and vulnerable in the room with not just the actors but the creatives as well um that bonded us 
and that created a, a, a particular shared vernacular um, that made working on that show so easy and so clear. And you and Matthew did something interesting on that show, which was when the audience entered, the uh, black members of the audience sat on one side of the auditorium and the white members of the audience sat on the other side yeah. to create this literal divide. What yeah. was the idea behind that? Do you remember? Um, I think Matthew talked at length about not wanting to make this piece feel like a museum piece. Um, not wanting to make the idea of 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 of, of prejudice due to um, due to race um, being consigned to you know history or you know or, or a different continent or you know um, that is still alive and kicking sadly today, um, and so that gesture was 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 an attempt to make to make it feel as immediate as and as current. Um, as people of colour do walking the streets of London or of England or South Africa or of America or of wherever um, today. Um, again, not to homogenise that experience because they're very, very different dependent on where you are and dependent on the social political um, situation. Um, but it's still happening. Um, and that's what that gesture was about. Um, yeah, to make it feel... Like, we can't dismiss it. Well, it was a very bold move, and it reminds me, actually, of a conversation that I was having with you maybe two weeks ago yeah. uh, about um, directors of colour yeah. and what risks, I suppose, uh, they can take in theatre yeah. uh, in relationship and in comparison to the risks that perhaps white directors can take yeah. Yeah. and the safety that they have being kind of the norm yeah. still within yeah. theatre. What do you think about that and sort of the, the risk-taking that directors of colour can, can push? Well, I think, you know, I think the fact that people of colour have been the vanguards of fashion, of music, of, you know, dance to some degree, of, of virtually every other art form, jazz, hip-hop, you know, it's, 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 it's just continuing. Um, but yet, not necessarily in theatre, feels like it speaks for itself. You know, I, I, I don't know if there's necessarily been a safe space created for us to created for us or by us um, to explore that to explore the ways we can push and shape the stories we tell and the form in which those stories we tell um, to be utterly by us to have that identity um, because what, what the, can we do about that though um, what can we do about it I mean, I, I'm, if I've always wanted, I've always been very clear about wanting to run a building at some point in my life. And if I did run a building, the the idea would be to make sure that you know the building is that safe space for for artists to come, um, and push themselves and and want to be provocative and want to, um, you know, take those risks. Um, I feel that it's not a space that should be given. I feel like it's a space. Uh, that should be taken um, and can be it's not like there's a lack of talent you know there's not it's like it's, there are quite a few of us out here pushing pushing um, pushing for it pushing for equality in this industry um, I think I, I, I think a, a, a safe nurturing space where we can feel okay to push or okay to fail um, 
is one thing that can, that can be done to help. I mean, but uh, you know, but then again, that hasn't necessarily been the case in the, in, in in other art forms. You know, it's not like people um, gave you know, um, Duke Ellington a, a a space to go and you know, or or Sun Ra's, you know, a specific space to go off and kind of do. They they took it. They they went and run with it. They were true to themselves and they created what they felt what they felt music should sound like. Um, and so maybe a space isn't necessarily what we need. Maybe maybe it's 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 a confidence. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a ferocity. But I don't feel like that's lacking. I feel like that's definitely there. So you don't think that there's necessarily this hesitancy to take risks or this this of course, reluctance. Of course, there is. Of course, there of course, is. Of course. Because I think like you know, at the end of the day, you're only as good as your last show. And if you're and if you're if if the people in control and in power are people that don't necessarily understand the black experience and you know are you know white middle class. Um, uh, uh, the, the the definition of what is good in theatre is not defined by us. It's defined by people that are other than us. Um, defined by people defined by gatekeepers um, who historically, and I I feel that today still don't understand what and who we are. Um, and so of course you kind of I, I I'm th- th- there's I'm sure there's there's a there's a feeling am, am, am amongst us that in order to continue making work we have to you have to kind of make some compromises. Um, I I really wish that wasn't the case. And Teo, I want to ask you the same question that I asked Roy Alexander Wise, the director of uh, the Mountain Top here, and also Bolahan Obisessa, the director of Katana. Both incredible people. Both incredible people, but both a massive laugh. Which is, um, <laughs> do you think that um, stories with um, with characters who are of kind of story, black stories, yeah. do you think that these should be? directed and told by directors of colour? Do you think that that's how it should be? Do you think that otherwise there's a kind of a sense of appropriationism if, as you put it just a moment ago, white middle-class directors start telling these black stories on stage? Or is it good that these stories are on stage anyway? No, I don't think it's good that these stories are on stage. Yeah, I don't think it's these stories. It's good that these stories are on stage anyway. I mean, I think, you know, how do I phrase this? I think... Sometimes I mean there you know there 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 there's a history of white directors directing pieces, you know directing you know, pieces that have black narratives in them, um, that feel that they need a black assistant director or feel that they need a you know a a, a a a black or a person of color you know designing or assisting or whatever, or you know whatever or part of it. Um, I would a part of me would argue that if you feel that you need that, then you probably shouldn't be directing that mm. piece. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'll say on that. Uh, but I, 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 and I do think, I do think it's in, it's important for us to have a, a sense of ownership. But and, and I don't, and I, but I don't think that you know, you know, I don't necessarily think that that because you know, I'm a, I'm a person of color. That I feel necessarily more connected to Scissor Banzi and Z, for example, and that that feels like I go I'm going against what I, what I said before, but it's not. I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily make me the the um the best candidate because the struggles here are very very different to the struggles in South Africa. Do you know what I mean? Um, but uh, what I don't think can be undermined is, as I was saying, in that process of Scissor Banzi, what we found was that there is. There can it's, it's quicker to I feel to make a shared vernacular to kind of make a shared a shared vernacular of trauma, um, that would connect a person of color to that story more so than someone who's who's lived a life of privilege that they may or may not have known that they have. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. Um, um, 
and so I, and so I, I do think that that you know we should be controlling our stories not because um not not singularly because you know, we are we are black um but I do think that there's something that can't necessarily be taught you know or uh, be bought um that we have that connects us to these stories um yes yes that's exactly the same as what uh, the director Lucy J Skilbeck said about mm. directing queer pieces of theatre actually yeah. that there has to be this this queer voice yeah. in telling that queer story so I think that within all of these minority uh, groups or um, liberation groups for want of a better yeah. term yeah. Uh, they, the voice has to be authentic yeah. uh, in yeah, that way completely. but I think you know there's something my, my, my fear one of my fears about that you know about you know people of colour directing stories but of people of color, is that, and because we live in a in a, in a world of, of of quick instant categorization, um, that whole kind of you know once uh, once you categorize once you categorize something you can ident- you can define something and then you can have ownership over that thing. Um, theater with people of color in it, theater with people of color directing it, isn't black theater. It's theater. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and with, with with stories that are important that aren't told enough, one hundred percent, and need to be told more. Um, but that, but the whole idea of calling it black theatre, I kind, I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel is is is, is kind of reductive, you know, um, and not necessarily helpful. Let, let's talk about. Um Life of Galileo yeah. now, though. Um, directed by uh, Joe Wright. You're the Joe assistant on it. <laughs> How's it like working with Joe Wright? It's a hoot. In what it, way? It is a hoot. So we would get in at 9.30 and, uh, to warm up. And we'd just put on tunes. And we'd just <laughs> dance around the room. Just dance around the room. I mean, like... And that freedom was felt throughout the process. Um, and that, that that and the freedom that comes from you know someone that isn't that you know hasn't necessarily you know read the key books on on directing theatre and you know da, 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 you know um, that feeling of of someone who for this is this is what feels right this is what feels like this production really needs this is and it may not be kind of you know what most people do but I, I think it's right so we're going to do it um, and Joe was brilliant at that at, at, at leading with what he genuinely felt was was right and I think he's been proved right with the with, with this production um, and it afforded a freedom it and that freedom kind of came from the fact that it's, it wasn't common practice you know um, he is uh, he's not only a sweet guy um, he's he also he wants to shake things up you know and I really I really like that about him I really I really do admire that about him I'm aware that I've spoken about your time as assistant to Joe and assistant to to Matthew. I want to talk about you as director in oh, your okay. in your own right. Oh, so, okay, what is the the Theo Lawson uh, brand of <laughs> of theatre? What what's your uh, what, what interests you? The Theo Lawson brand of theatre is uh, a brand of theatre that wants to avoid a brand of theatre. <laughs> um, I want to avoid that. I avoid that. Well, earlier on you said, "Oh, that was very Richard Jones." There's nothing that's going to make me say in the future, yeah. "Oh, that's very Taylor but Lawson." That, but that wasn't. Yeah, but I don't. But the thing is, the difference is, is that like when Richard with Richard Jones' work, that is truthfully him. That is that that is authentic Richard Jones. Um, that's truthful, as opposed to it being a a, a a brand which, as I say, is easily consumable and instantly kind of like it's, it's kind of like you know you take it, you kind of leave. It's kind of it. Um, 
but Richard Jones, that was that was like genuinely, that was his art. Do you know what I mean? That was really, really him. Um, so in that sense is what I'm searching for. The bit where you can, oh, what is it? Who is it that said that? The the one of the one of the hardest maybe it was Miles Davis the hardest thing to the hardest thing to to be is yourself Jerry Halliwell but Jerry- <laughs> oh my god it was Jerry it was Jerry yes babe Jerry Halliwell once said this thing once that you know the hardest thing is to be is yourself um and uh, I think Richard has that so uh, that is what I'm you know it's, it's what I'm searching for I guess um what is it I'm really interested. I, you know, I spent, I spent most of my life working on new writing. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I can command, um, you know, the canon um, as well as other directors. So I'm, I'm kind of trying, at the moment, I'm trying to challenge myself with that. Um, I'm, 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 I'm developing a, um, a, a version of No Exit. Um, oh, great. Which is interesting. It's a challenge. It's uh, a real challenge, actually. Um, but it's it's really fun because that's not necessarily something that I've worked on as an assistant or done as a director. Um, so it, you're workshopping that at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And trying to I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone as much as I can, um, and feel ownership of plays and of my work. I feel like it generally comes from myself without compromising or without thinking how it gets me the next job without thinking of what people will think of it. Um, just trying to be as honest to myself as I possibly can. Um, how, but does that ownership come at the expense of any kind of collaboration? How important is, how important is collaboration no, in the, in the yeah, rehearsal Yeah, it's room? so important. But I think the, that, that ownership continues because, you can, because collaborations don't necessarily, aren't, don't always come from a forced collaboration. Um, you can surround yourself with people that you think talk, discuss the work, in a way that's similar to you or discuss the work in a way that's challenging to you um, and so in that in that sense you don't necessarily compromise anything it's, 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 it's there to bolster or to uh, or to better accentuate the identity that you're trying to find in whatever you're trying to do you know um, and you mentioned Alts earlier who's designed lots of things uh, yeah. at the Young Vic I think most recently La Musica um, in yes. our um, awesome. um what what do you look for in a creative team then when you're when you're putting together your designers and, and everybody I that guess, comes together to make your shows? I guess it depends on the piece, but I, I, I definitely, I, ne- I never, I try my best to never take myself too seriously. Extra, we never push with that. I take myself very seriously, certainly. <laughs> I'm way too hard on myself. Um, but that's important, but I've had to be because I've wanted to, I've wanted, known what I wanted to do since I was um, as young as most directors know what they want to do. But, um, but so I, I really look for people that can keep it light. Um, I look for people that um, that not that can't always verbalize why they think this works. Um, it comes from it comes from a place they can't necessarily make tangible. It comes from a place that's very you know uh, very internal, um, and very guttural. Um, I really appreciate that because I can when you can see that that someone really feels that you can't you can't buy that stuff do you know what I mean that's beautiful um, so I look for that in every in every board in actors in designers in you know collaborators in any sense um, uh, people with good music taste <laughs> people with good music music taste is imperative um, and that's an example of, of, of having similar 
similar taste to some degree, similar references that aren't necessarily, you know, oh yeah, I saw that play and that was really great. Um, it could be, yeah, I like the bass in that track on that album and maybe the tempo's like that or maybe the feeling's like that. Maybe it's as distorted as that. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, there's some key things which feel a bit... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, but for me, they're quite... They're, they're, they're really important. Right now, it's a Wednesday afternoon yes. and you want to sneak in to uh, watch Life of Galileo, yeah, sneak into the Yeah, I don't want them to know that I'm here. <laughs> I don't want them to know that I'm here so I can note them without them... Uh, yeah, so I know that I've got to let you go to do that, but I want to know what's next for you, what the future holds for you. You mentioned uh, no exits. Yeah. Um, yep. Anything else coming up? Um, continuing to be the best that I can be, which is it, it isn't so easy. Continuing to be the best husband I can be, um, trying to find the best way of 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 uh, of creating a healthy work life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the main goal. That's the main kind of task I feel uh, next. Um, I've been very distant, very vacant, sadly. Um, and I, I want, I want to, I want to, um, I want to make a play with jazz music. Oh wow! I mean, that sounds really. <laughs> we're talking about it now. I, I, I want to make it not a musical, just a play with jazz that kind of discusses British jazz music and the and the um, British civil rights scene um, and how we've ended up here. There's some incredible young jazz musicians, of uh, um, black jazz musicians at the moment, um, and I would kind of really love to work out how that can work in theatre. That sounds really kind of pretentious, but I, I think it could be dope. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> and as somebody who was a Boris Karloff, Karloff trainee assistant director, yes. and somebody who uh, is a Jerwood assistant director, yes. what nugget of advice, what top tip do you have even younger directors than you that are trying to come through uh, the ranks and, and perhaps take one of those roles in the future at the Young Vic? Um, I, as I said before, I, I, I try not to when I'm around people, I try not to take myself seriously so much. Uh, I try to stay as humble as I can, um, and to have as less as small an ego as possible. Um, but however you project yourself in the world, it's important to know that it's never too early. You're never too young to take yourself seriously, um, at all. I think if you're if you if if you if you love it and if you know what you want to do. you take yourself seriously and do it. I mean, it took me a long time to call myself a director. When I did, stuff started to change and, and move, you know? When I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Even though I'd, you know, done stuff since I was, you know, 15. You know, it, it took me forever to, to be like, I'm a director, that's what I do. Um, what was that push then that made you actually self-define as a director rather than somebody who directs? It was... I'm allowed to swear on this. You can say whatever the bleep hold, you like. I've been holding my tongue so hard. <laughs> it was, um, it was that, it was, it was, it was that play between me being sure I can, I can do this without, you know, kind of taking myself, without projecting this very kind of serious, very you know, kind of pretentious dude in the world. Um, I'm playing that off with me feeling that I was worth something. Um, I felt done with being patronized or kind of you know be all you know because I'm, I'm still kind of young I'm felt kind of done being patronized because I'm a, I'm a black director and now I'm you know um won't respect as much so I was like yeah I was so it was it was it was a bit of a fuck you um this is what I do and you're going to respect me for it and you're going to listen to me when I talk about it because I love it um 
episode, don't be a douche. It was that. <laughs> it was that. It was. It came from a, from a frustration actually. Um, I haven't looked back since. My my determination to fuck shit up has. Uh, <laughs> oh, that feels so good. <laughs> my determination to really fuck shit up. Um, uh, in as provocative and as uh, interesting way as possible was what um was what was was the, was the turning point in that. I've just been told you can't say the word shit. I've just had that in my ear. Sorry. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, guys. What is this? Um, yeah, that was it. But I think, yeah, my, my, my advice is is understand you're never too young to take yourself seriously. And although, you know, you'll be surrounded by people that, that you know, put themselves forward as, you know, the most professional, kind of, like, knowledgeable person the other, they're often bullshitting too, you know? Um, so, It's just yeah. a big game of bluff. It's just it? a big game of bluff. It's just a big game of bluff. Um, and the minute you understand that, and the minute you can trust yourself and believe in yourself and take yourself seriously, I think you really unlock stuff for yourself. What people at home listening to this might not realise is that it is about four million degrees in this it is. Uh, recording studio. It is. So I think I'm going to let you go and watch the second half of Life of Galileo. Thank you very We're much. We're really excited to see what happens next for you, Taylor Lawson, including uh, No Exit thank and, you very of course, much. everything else that you do. You very much are a director. Yeah. And, uh, thank you so much for coming in to chat to us this afternoon. This has been awesome. I think the world of you, and I think the world of this place, and it's been a real honour, and thank you so much for having Oh, me. stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Off Book by The Young Vic. If you'd like to hear more conversations with some of the most exciting people in theatre, subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes.